0: This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by smoking a cigarette while wearing a bathrobe. Smoking a cigarette in a bathrobe is clinically proven to be the most cost-effective and time-efficient method of reducing stress. Sure, you could uh, stay in a beach house, you could, I don't know, rent a horse or a hot air balloon or something like that, but what do you really want to do? You want to stay at home in the comfort of your surroundings and you want to smoke something filterless, maybe a camel, while you're in the satiny confines of your bathrobe. So with that in mind, please head on over to www.bathrobesmokers.gov and enter promo code BROTHERSHIP for 15% off of your first uh, purchase. You can buy different, different weaves of bathrobe, different thread counts, and different materials. You can buy different kinds of cigarettes to pair with them. And really, I just can't recommend the service highly enough. Uh, so once again, that is www.bathrobesmokers.gov uh, and the promo code BROTHERSHIP. Thank you very much. Now on with the show.
1: Okay. I do have one question that I want to pose to you, though. Okay. That I figured it'd be good to pose at the top, top of the show. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, it doesn't have to be. I just wanted the simple, like, yes or no, maybe a thirty-second discussion. Is La La Land a chick flick?
0: No, no, no. I don't okay. think so. Gay men can enjoy it too.
1: Well, but it would still be a a chick flick. <laughs> at that point no I I really don't think that it is I think that
0: um, that kind of romance aspect I mean you see it all through Hollywood it's just that like nostalgic tinge that it has and I mean at the center of it it is a romance but so is Casablanca have you ever watched an entire chick flick and did you enjoy it yes and no (laughs) what did you watch Oh man Uh, I watched this one Hannah That's my girlfriend everybody Showed me this one And it was the classic Mm -hmm. Single mother With her kind of uh, Despondent Ten year old kid Moves to a Like bayside town She meets this hunky guy But does he have a weird secret In his past? Turns out it's not bad enough For her to ditch him So they kind of Get together And then somebody tries to Burn her house down and she's had a friend throughout this entire movie who's given her advice and stuff, and then it turns out that that person was a ghost. And I was like, that was... What? One of the... And Hannah's like, this one's pretty good. And I'm like, okay. And we watched it, and I turned to her, I was like, that's the worst thing She'd that have She'd seen it before, had... and she wanted yeah. to watch it again? And she's like, yeah, it wasn't as good as I remembered. And I was like, well, I sure hope not. Because that was very... The viewing of that movie was very early on in our relationship, and... Uh... Mm. And it was one of those things where you don't want to be I just super went. Rude, yeah, but... I went. Okay, you know, I guess we can watch yeah. this. We were doing early on like a one for one thing. Yeah. So she would show me something, a movie that she liked, and I'd show her something I liked. She fell asleep during Ocean's Eleven, the remake. Yeah, that's and messed said up. she couldn't follow
1: it. That's messed up.
0: I'm like, how can you not follow it? They they talk about stealing the thing. They go and steal the thing. Like, yeah, that's pretty. There's much the whole literally movie, yeah. nothing else to follow. It's just not tough.
1: I watched Mean Girls. Did you know that? I have watched She's the Man. Have you heard of this movie? She's the Man? She's the Man. It's like a... Uh... <laughs> wow, that could go in so many directions. It stars Amanda somebody. I know that. Who's that a She's
0: the Man pun? Amanda? Amanda Bynes. Okay. So it's it's from 06. So mm-hmm. it's like... That's good. It's, it's dated. And it is a... Uh... Man, it's a riff on some shakespeare play okay story by william shakespeare there you go and i freaking love this movie yeah i don't know why i'll have to watch it story by william shakespeare yeah i can't i can't remember which uh shakespeare it's based off of but i have this weird affection for she's the man that's like the one chick flick i actually amanda Bynes' performance in it is like phenomenal she's so charming and so weird and so funny in not the kind of stereotypical ways. It's yeah. more like her weird facial expressions or just huh. the way she carries herself. She's kind of like spastic. And yeah, it is so... And the the plot is ridiculous. It's all I will... like... I mean, the central tenant is cross-dressing, basically. Nice. She, she pretends to be her brother the man, at, like a soccer camp or something like that. Okay. And like falls in love with this... Dude she meets there who might be Zac Efron hmm. It's what like it's one of those. But uh of course Zac Efron thinks that she's the, man she's a man. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're the man. And she's like, Oh, I don't want to be the man. And I get oh my goodness. <laughs> I just Googled she Uh
0: but um I guarantee you if it wasn't for William Shakespeare at the center of this, the whole thing would just collapse like a
1: ten without poles. Now when I when I watched Mean Girls, I watched it with my youth group because it was one of those nights. Not enough people showed up. Channing Tatum, up. Tatum. that's Channing who she Tatum. falls in wow. love with from like twelve years ago. Yep, thirteen years ago. Yeah, okay. I'll, we'll have to check that out. Wow, a terrible um, rating. Yeah, not on Facebook, but what do they know? Yeah. <sighs> Let me tell you about Mean Girls. Yes, when I went to watch Mean Girls my youth group was like all girls not enough people showed up to really do like our scheduled things we we're like let's have a movie night they're all like let's watch mean girls because i was like i made the mistake of saying i've never seen it they're like oh my gosh so we watched mean girls that is um, Lindsay in it? Yes. Lindsay i've tried to block out as much of that as i can <laughs> and the movie like it wasn't one of those things you watch it and you're like well that was a chick flick it's i could see it was horrible on every level like it's she doesn't even go here is that the, in, is that what that quotes from? I think so. <laughs> it's in my top 5 worst looking movies of all time like visual, like it's weird how bad it looks. Like it's not just like there was no art put into it. It's like there was reverse art put into it. Really? Like it's it everything about it just looks weird. The acting's horrible. There's one scene towards the end where a character gets hit by a bus that kind of made me go like huh. That was kind of funny. <laughs> but
0: other than that... <laughs> that's
1: what it took. It was supposed to be funny. That's what it took. It was comedic. Yeah, I, I um, figured that. Yeah, well, but, like, it wasn't that's like... What it, that's what it yeah.
0: took, like, to, to make you chuckle. Yeah. was somebody just getting... Other than that, it was just them.
1: like, I sat there for the whole time, like, is it going to get better? And then it didn't, and I was just like, oh.
0: Were they loving it?
1: Yeah. They're... Yeah, I feel like... Yeah. It's wild how... On Tuesdays how we wear pink or whatever day that week was. Different people love different things. Yeah, I was gonna say women, but <laughs> really though, it is
0: fascinating how a lot of girls just love chick flicks. Yeah, and I like I personally, you know,
1: you like what you like. Yeah, like it's fine. Same guy like. There's a stereotype about yeah. guys liking like bro, sh- bro. Uh, I don't even know what you no, call it.
0: Men like movies like Three Hundred. Yeah, which The is Expendables. A subpar movie at best, and it just has guys like ex- like doing flips and cutting each other apart like it's yeah anyway. all these
1: kind of crappy like 300 um the expendables any marvel movie <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh,
0: okay well uh welcome to the good ship brothership uh ladies and gentlemen uh here we go we tried oh. very hard to keep that for the record sure. i don't hate all marvel movies just quite just few, just quite a few of them, of them. Are, Except for Batman Do you want to see Captain Marvel? <laughs> no, I don't care. yeah The thing the thing that gets me is they put out all these movies starring women, right or yeah. gender swapped movies like remakes of old movies. Yeah. A. Make something new. It's degrading to the women. Totally. To just You're be, living in a man's shadow. Yeah. And the only the only point to your film's and your role's existence is that you're a woman. Build a strong woman's character yeah. around more than that just they're like just people, that they're a woman. People are making You're
1: your aboard the Good, good Ship good brothership.
0: brothership, it's the only arts podcast that covers film, film music, gaming, gaming literature,
1: literature, and, and enamel coatings. I'm Grant, I'm Jason. You have to get smoother. Uh, right. I expected you, I'm Grant, and this is my brother, Jason, and then I go, hey.
0: Or it could be, I'm, I'm Grant, and I'm his brother, Jason, or something like that.
1: Uh, Jason, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the 2016 film directed by Damien Chazelle called La La Land, which many of you have no doubt seen and have thoughts about, and then something probably none of you have ever heard about is the 2015 jazz album, progressive jazz album, by Donnie McCaskillan called Fast Future. Yeah. So basically the premise of this album, or the premise of this review, I always call it reviews albums, this episode, is that I had seen La La Land before. Grant knows kind of what I think about it, but I've tried to kind of keep my cards close to my chest. He hadn't seen it. So I got him to watch it some evening when we were at both home. We watched it together. A week ago today. Um, And then... Following that, we were like, "Okay, what else do we do for the episode?" So Grant had the idea that since the heart of La La Land, a lot of it centers around this love for jazz and how jazz could evolve in the future. He said, "Why don't we look at a modern version of what this jazz was, kind of thing—the modern day equivalent?" And so that's we're how we kind got on. Onto... continuing the story of Lala yeah. La Land, really. Yeah. So that's how we got onto this 2015 album by Donny McCaslin which is kind of a spiritual successor to the like New Orleans Clubhouse hot and heavy experimental stuff that they were doing way back in the day when La La Land was set. And just to return for a second
0: to the rant that I was having during that theme music if I can. I'll I'll be brief, I promise. W- women in film will not be and I do I, I'm forced to agree that there are just way more roles for dudes than there are for women. And to a certain extent I can't really see why we can't have more women in like tough and gritty roles in movies. I mean men physiologically are tougher and grittier than women. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, like I, what I want to just see is just more good stories that happen to have women in them. Yeah. Like, I, you know, some, some phenomenally good movies star women and women like amy adams uh, fargo is a great example is one of the best one of my favorite movies of all time and uh darn it what's her name i can't remember what her name is right now the actress or the character francis McDormand. francis mcdormand is so good in it and there's there's so many if i looked at my shelf over there i'd be like oh yeah oh yeah but uh but women's roles in film will not change before two things happen. One, you stop making these incredibly reductive reboots of old franchises starring women just because they have women in them. And two, if every time a female-led movie comes out, we could just stop going, Hey everybody, I'm over here, I'm waving my flag. Guess what? This movie has a woman leading it! A woman. A woman leading it! Hey, everybody, isn't this amazing? Wow! It takes away from the other potential strengths of the movie. Just go, hey, guys, here's a great movie. End of story. Like, we don't need it as... Like, when you're calling attention to to the stars or the performers' genders... You just naturally water down the focus of the performance because you're sitting there going, "Oh wow, that's a woman doing that. That's really amazing." Stop clattering your toenail or your toenails together. <laughs> wow, that would Jason's, be a skill. Jason's sitting over there clattering his fingernails together, and that does come through on the on the last last episode. You're fiddling with your watch a bunch at the end. Mm, I don't have a watch on. It was on very clanky. Oh, wow. when i was listening back. Anyway, so that's that's all I want to say, ladies. I love you, um, and just. Just be proud of your 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 strengths and your abilities and that sort of thing, and just just do your do blaze your own do trail. Your, do your thing, man. Like that was sexist. I'm so the, sorry. The cinema uh, world
1: needs more Ramona Flowers and less female Ghostbusters. Yeah, just
0: uh, that that is as simple as it is. Yeah. So God bless you, Kate Winslet. Oh my goodness, in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh-huh. incredible oh, performance. Yeah fantastic like one of the best i've ever seen probably like really it's not up there with francis mcdormand and fargo but like what is, yeah. what what is in acting what is okay so the we puppet, are talking when we flip it is always we're talking favorite about of mine i think i think for this we have to go with la la land first because that's just the
1: can we flip the puppet anyways just for something to do yeah i mean I guess it would so. just be messed up i feel like we've done this before oh and it's face, it's down. face down okay that's la okay, la, so la land so that clearly. means la la land is
0: first yeah um but we could flip the puppet to see who goes first oh i think clearly i would be face up uh yeah that's very good <laughs> uh, okay face down so i'm going first and i will read you all the wikipedia entry for la la land by way of a bio okay la la land is a 2016 american romantic musical film written and directed by damien chazelle it stars ryan gosling as a jazz pianist and emma stone as an aspiring actress who meet and fall in love while pursuing their dreams in los angeles Uh, having been fond of musicals during his time as a drummer chazelle first conceptualized the film alongside justin Hurwitz while attending harvard university together (laughs) of course he went to harvard yeah Moving to Los Angeles in 2010, Chazelle wrote the screenplay but did not find a studio willing to finance the production without changes to his design. Following the success of his 2014 film Whiplash, the project was picked up by Summit Entertainment. Filming took place in Los Angeles from August to September 2010, with the film score composed by Hurwitz and the dance choreography by Mandy Moore. Who is an absolute legend. Is she? Yeah, love her. La, La Land premiered at the 73rd Venice International Film Festival on August 31st, 2016, and was released in the United States on December 9th, 2016. It grossed $446 million worldwide against a production budget of $30 million. That's an epic win. That is insane. La, La Land was critically praised... Pr- Mmm. Lala Land was critically praised, particularly for Chazelle's screenplay and direction, Gosling and Stone's performances, musical score, musical numbers, cinematography, and production design. So almost everything. Yeah. Both the American Film Institute and National Board of Review selected Lala La Land as one of the top ten films of twenty sixteen. It won a record breaking seven awards from its seven nominations at the Golden Globes Globes. Oh my goodness and received 11 nominations at the 70th British Academy Film Awards, winning five awards, including Best Film. It also received a record-tying 14 nominations at the 89th Academy Awards, including Best Picture, winning in six categories, including Best Director and Best Actress for Emma Stone. Okay. So, as a little bit of backstory, I really don't like musicals. I don't understand why you have to, in your story, have people who burst into song and dance in their everyday life. I don't understand what that adds to the characters. I don't understand what it adds to the plot. I don't even understand really what it adds to the aesthetic. All it does to me, for me, when I'm either seeing one on stage or watching one on the screen, which is very seldom i think i've maybe seen one other musical film i've seen a from couple live musicals yeah i've seen a handful everybody has yeah all it does to me is introduce like a layer of artifice onto the story and over top of the characters that i find kind of frustrating because in a lot of cases i do want to know these characters more and i want to know what they're thinking and feeling through smart dialogue and good acting it's it's always seemed to me to be much easier to sing a song about how sad you are than portray it with like a sigh and a slump of the shoulders and a and a wistful gaze or something like that um so i went into la, la land with my fair share of prejudice and it's safe to say that i was i mean you know going into Lala la land especially when you've sat on it for as long as i have that there are unavoidable moments that will impress you.
1: You understand it's going to be well executed as a musical, right? Exactly. That's almost an un, un, inarguable truth at this
0: point. And knowing Damien Chazelle's history, his basically flawless history as a director. Short but flawless. Yeah. Like, the guy has made three films now, three feature films, and each one of them have been nominated for an insane amount of awards and it just seems like he is set up to be on the front line of the next era of great legendary directors that we will remember for forever like he'll i'm i'm positive that he will be remembered up there with scorsese or kubrick or coppola he's off to a good start he's off to an incredibly good and a very very diverse start it's not like he's scorsese and he's pumping out crime or Tarantino Tarantino. Oh boy. Uh, you know, so I have no end of respect for the man and apparently rightfully so the camera movements are effortlessly masterful. The camera just kind of floats around in what appeared to be these long, 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 unbroken, uh, cuts. And at no point did I find any edits jarring or any, any, uh, angles of the camera to feel gimmicky or forced the camera movements and the way they present the story is a 10 out of 10 it's completely flawless and it's very mm-hmm. modest in some where where it needs to be to let the actors breathe and then it opens up and kind of swoons around and dances around with the characters and does a perfect job of just accenting what's
1: going on in those particular scenes um something that i read some kind of conflicting reports on the types of lenses that were used but by and large what people agree on and what i saw just with my peepers is that they use a lot of standard 35 40 millimeter lenses if you don't know what that is don't worry but basically the idea of these lenses is that it's the closest proportionately to what our human eyes see and it kind of removes that barrier of film um, of that kind of lens distortion in all but a few scenes. The cool thing about the lenses is that they actually have a huge amount of of what's called barrel distortion which is kind of like when you see uh, straight lines like door frames are curved. Mm-hmm. That gives it this kind of interesting feel once you notice it. Mm-hmm. But by and large, uh, a lot of the lenses were selected like you said to give the kind of like modest and intimate feeling to an otherwise kind of grandiose movie and the aesthetics of the film
0: really do have the feel of a of a stage musical to me the way that the framings set when the characters do their little song and dance numbers but it's it really feels like you're immersed in the world of this musical and That's the feeling that I really got from a lot of this film was the feeling of being in an intensely fun musical, but the stage went around me 360 degrees, uh, which is impressive. I mean, you can't even say of all serious, quote unquote, artsy movies that you feel like there are things going on all around your head, you know, in a lot of really serious, like, I don't know, Paul Thomas Anderson, especially somebody like Kubrick, you get the sense that there is this very sculpted. It's image It's
1: very contrived. A movie like Two Thousand. Very Space contrived,
0: Odyssey. and you don't really. I mean, you you believe in it, but you aren't consciously thinking. Oh, you know, I wonder what they're doing off to my right or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the camera movements and the direction in that regard were. I would put them on par with anybody, honestly. Uh, and 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 something else that's up in up front and center are these two lead actors emma stone and ryan gosling and they're the thing that struck me as i'm watching it is emma stone's been in things i can't i can't think of like a prestigious movie she's been in apart from this i mean battle of the
1: sexes was probably the the one after this Mm. that was a bigger movie that was her and steve carell but i'm just thinking of yeah (laughs) was it steve carell yep but i'm thinking of like ryan gosling and
0: drive or uh Yeah. Okay. Everything's leaving me today, but you see these, you see these actors and they work very well in a very serious, straight faced Mm -hmm. kind of drama. And then you uproot them and you put them in this musical. They're dancing. They're definitely dancing. You know, there's no stunt doubles. They're dancing. They're singing. They're doing the dramatic theater kind of just posture and presentation and you just realize how stinking gifted these people are. Because this is like a jazz musician playing hair metal. Like the, the difference here in going from a film-oriented performance where it's all about, you know, the flick of the eyes. Something small and then going to something that's big, full-body gestures like a musical. It's not all like that. Of course, there are moments of drama where everything's a bit more subdued. But I just mean... Watching this movie, I got a real sense that these are actually incredibly, almost athletically gifted people who who are capable of, generally speaking, a lot more than we give them credit for. They and I aren't... don't, I don't just mean Ryan Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I mean actors. If you right. make it to Hollywood, if you make it in the in the movie industry, chances are you have the, these kind of skills. A lot of them probably learned at drama school. Uh, through an education of some sort, but a a lot of them probably do have have some sort of a background in musical
1: theater and can bust out a bit of a tap dance. Yes and no. I don't know if I agree with that, because if you research the um, pre-production that went into this movie, it's astounding. Like, for a few months, uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling spent their time full-time doing singing lessons tap lessons ballroom lessons um piano in the case of ryan gosling like emma stone had done a little bit of dancing beforehand but not too much ryan gosling had famously done he was in this like very strange (laughs) modern dance band when he was a kid but other than that not really so they spent a they had a very intensive pre-production training leading up to this
0: i guess what i'm trying to say is the road to hollywood normally makes a stopover at Musicalville, you know, <laughs> like most actors have come through musicals at some point in their career. I'd be willing to wager. Sure. Anyway, uh, the usage of color and lighting are very, very intelligent. They're very deliberate, but again, they don't often feel heavy-handed. There, you you sent me a great video about the usage of color in this film. Is that Pre- the one where they talk about their color? Yeah, yeah, particularly pertaining to costumes and that sort of thing. And it is apparent a lot of thought has been put into these things and it's not just a matter of oh this outfit really expresses ryan gosling's character Mm -hmm. and the mood he's in right now it it goes beyond that to show the essence of the characters themselves and i think that that's something that should always be celebrated highlighted i think that people who do the costuming for films don't get nearly enough oh, the credit. The song, heroes of a movie. You know, if if everybody was walking around dressed like an ordinary human being, the movie would not pop the way it does. It wouldn't have that impact that it does. Uh, I do have some issues with it. I think that the songs, apart from like City of Stars, there's one that's called Somebody in the Crowd or Face in a Crowd or something like that, but I don't, I don't think that the songs are all that memorable. None of them really stuck with me the way, like, really, really great musicals have moments that stick with you. Uh, I, I felt that it was somewhat lacking in compelling side characters. And when you think about it, there's really no kind of vaguely consistent or identifiable side characters, aside from maybe John Legend's.
1: Yeah, appearance there's in it. Keith, played by John Legend. There's Greg, her older, like her her love interest at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but you her just apartment mates. Yeah, but these are people really, who are only in a couple scenes. Yeah,
0: and they are people who don't really make an impression on you. They they don't strike you as endearing or obnoxious. They just kind of are there to fill things out and move the story along. And I I found that to be a little problematic, despite the fact that the central narrative is undoubtedly on the two of them. But even when she goes back and she visits her parents, they just, they don't make an impression. They don't even seem all that important. And it's like, well, these are her parents. There should be kind of maybe some interaction there that suggests some kind of familiarity. Now I will say
1: something um, to add to your point, And then also something else in the defense. I do find that you kind of get a bit of a feeling that it's these two people in like a sea of featureless faces And I think it kind of takes away from the authenticity of the world. The fact that it's like, who else even exists in this world? Not many people. And I did find that to be something that kind of bugged me a little bit. However, talking specifically about their parents, I think they do a good job of giving her parents character because of the kinds of questions her mom's asking her when they're on the phone. You know, she's like, he's going to open up his jazz club. And then there's a pause. And she's like, I think he's saving up. You know, no, he doesn't have a steady gig yet. Um, You can kind of tell the interests of her parents, which are you know maybe not altogether bad, just by listening in on things like that. And I did think that was interesting. Yeah, well, like it's not to say that I felt the film was totally like a wasteland, but
0: you just a film, a story works so much better when the little moments. You know, there's a moment that you brought up where he uh where <laughs> there's us. a sympathetic gesture returned by a, a ticket teller. Uh-huh. And like little moments like that if they were more more densely populated throughout the film would have brought this place to life a bit more. I didn't really buy the idea of these two central characters as being these impoverished wannabes that the film kind of pitched them as. They both seem to you know, one of them's kind of living just without paying his bills at all in this apartment that doesn't look half bad. Like, it's not nice, but it's not terrible. Yeah. And the other one's living in what's a pretty cushy apartment and working in a, for, you know, basically a Starbucks that's right in the middle of, like, uh, the, Warner all the, all the, lot. the Warner Brothers lot. And she shares what is a seemingly vast apartment with several other glamorous Hollywood uh, acolytes, I guess, and I just I, I didn't fully grasp the the pitch that they were these downtrodden wannabes who who were miles and miles so close and yet so far from the big time. That's that being said, I mean the three stars of this movie are are Gosling, Stone, and Chazelle. I mean they should all be up on the poster. With their names just as big, and uh, let's give a huge
1: shout out to the DP as well, to Linus Sanders. Yes, yeah, 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 I think he's like that guy's amazing. You look at the shots, the follow shots through the movie, and there's some stuff. I watched like a a 45 minute dissection of the lighting and the shots all throughout the movie, and it's like you know a third the length of the actual movie itself, um, and it was done by this kind of working class DP. Did it? and some of the shots like he could not figure out like the one where um it's following emma stone through the crowd as she comes back out from the bathroom in slow-mo and then all of a sudden the guy jumps off the balcony into the swimming pool and the camera just goes underwater Mm -hmm. like at some point there's a cut when they put up housing around the camera they didn't have the housing around it the whole time yeah but it's like (laughs) try and find the cut you can't Mm -hmm. with digital manipulation and stuff
0: these days it does make it a lot easier to edit together Separate takes to make it look like one continuous take, and I'm sure that that's what was done in a lot of these instances. It doesn't.
1: Them, a lot of them they said were actually one take, like the dancing scene on top of the hill. Yeah, a lot of that was completely uncut because yeah. that's the feel he wanted.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I don't mean to suggest that that devalues or robs the the take of authenticity or something. It's just if you have that tool at your disposal and it gives you the best result, send and it. use it. Uh, so you know in I think I think this this movie comes almost dangerously close to recapturing that kind of golden age hollywood vibe uh, the the fa- and the fact that it doesn't quite get there it doesn't quite there's some x factor missing maybe it's that the dialogue isn't quite corny and snappy enough maybe it's it is the lack of of lovable side characters but the fact that it doesn't quite grasp that perfect golden era hollywood glow for me adds something to this
1: story thematically because it's not it's a modern version of that it's yeah, not but supposed it's, to be the same it's like an alternate universe version but of... it's the story jason
0: of two people who don't quite capture that hollywood glow yeah exactly uh so you know in closing do i love musicals now no no Was I periodically confused as to why people were singing and dancing? Yes. Did I wish sometimes that they would stop singing and dancing? Yes. Did I enjoy it more than I wanted to? Yes. Uh, Do I think, in closing, that it had quite probably the best use of a flashback in any movie I've ever seen in my entire life? Yes. Yeah. That's it. It uh-huh. is the best use of a flashback, the most emotionally impactful flashback I have ever seen in any movie, period. It's that is sad worth news. that is worth watching the entire movie for. Yeah. And I am not joking.
1: Okay. Um Yeah, I had a couple niggling concerns with the movie. We talked about, like, in the very intro, the opening scene of the movie is a bunch of cars stuck in a traffic jam. And uh, it opens up into this huge musical number, which is really uh, beautiful and, and super impressive, even though I don't really like the song. But whatever. But my issue is that as it opens, it's all these cars as far as the eye can see in gridlock. And there's just people periodically honking their horns all over the place. And you realize, like, in the real world, like, why would you honk your horn? So So that, to me, I was thinking about, because you brought that up to me a while ago, and I think that that's
0: almost a holdover from musical theater. You, You know, the curtains go up, the lights come on, and you've got a couple people sitting on plastic chairs with their hands held out, like they're holding a steering wheel, and the only way that you can really convey what's happening is to have a constant wall of car horns just honking against each other to give you the idea that you're in a uh in a traffic jam so i think i think that it's weird i don't think that it needed that but it also opens with noise with sound and uh it probably would have been a bit odd if it was just a bunch of people sitting there mutely listening to the radio or whatever
1: it's not yeah because the the camera pans past all the open car windows and you hear what all of them are listening to mm-hmm. which, um, is, awesome. which is awesome yeah I was very reticent to watch this movie initially when I first watched it probably six months ago, a year ago, whatever, just because I had a preconception that it was, you know, it's like the best of the chick flicks, but it's still a chick flick. And after I got burned by Mean Girls, I'm not going back to the well so easily. Um, But I did watch it. um, And I thought, you know, this is really a a fantastic movie. And I watched it, I think the next day with mom and dad, because we had rented the movie. So I watched it twice then, um, and then I kind of didn't think about it too much for the next number of months until Grant and I watched it, my third viewing, then I saw it the next day was my fourth viewing, and then I've kind of skimmed over it. So I've seen it like four or five times now. And what gets me in the door every time is the visuals of this movie are really special even above the level of a lot of the other really great films we talk about. I would say, um, no hyperbole, no joke. I would say that this is in the top 10, possibly top five prettiest movies I've ever seen. Visually, it's just, you watch it on mute and you'll have a blast. It's, it's just unbelievable how fluid the camera movements are, how well framed everything is, the beautiful use of shadows, um... The beautiful use of color, like we were saying, there's this specific kind of pinky purpley color that's used to represent uh, Mia and Sebastian's relationship. And then if they're kind of on the rocks in a scene, you'll find something like a harsher green or you'll find those colors have separated into two different pools of light. Um, It's just very well done on an artistic level, on a not an intellectual level, but you know what I mean, on a symbolic level. The movie is without flaw visually And I don't think it could be made any better In any way um, It was shot In a different aspect ratio Than most modern movies are shot It was shot um, a little bit more squished More like old Hollywood movies To give that feel And it really works You get the impression that This is really a Like, like you said A slightly off-kilter retelling Of the golden age of Hollywood it pulls that off perfectly. Um, I think the pacing of the movie is wonderful. They do a great job establishing things before Mia and Sebastian really meet. There's some hilarious scenes in the movie. Um, you know, he comes back to, to playing at Lipton's, that restaurant, and he sits down at the piano to play these soulless Christmas jingles, and the waitress walks past and's is like, oh, you're back. And he's like, there's a nice way to say that, Karen. Like Stuff like that always cracks me up she get mia goes to a party uh some months later and he's like playing with the crappy 90s cover band at the party just trying 80s, to make ends 80s. 80s. yeah true um like yeah the the dialogue and scenes like that i disagree with you i think it's just cheesy enough like when she's talking about i have to play a serious firefighter kind of thing what um, what did i say about the dialogue you said that it's maybe not quite cheesy enough to recreate Golden but I mean, hollywood I guess that is true. There, are,
0: there are some snappy moments. I guess any film that I ever see ever that is trying to lurch at at least some of that old Hollywood charm gets put up immediately next to Casablanca. Certainly, and there's there's no movie written that has that no that confident swagger
1: in the dialogue. So maybe that's an unfair criticism. Um, yeah, I mean Casablanca is is one of the very best movies of all time. If you want to talk about a great movie. Um the music is fantastic. When you look at the list of tracks, there are songs that you don't immediately associate with La La Land, right? Like Take on Me, mm-hmm. I Ran, especially during the summer they have these more upbeat, not modern, but kind of modern because it's in the Zeitgeist to play all this 80s music, 80s music uh that really lends itself to like this warm and vibrant and Kind of fun feeling when they're, um, when there are all these cuts of Mia and Sebastian going for walks and they're on the Ferris wheel and they're at the park when their relationship is kind of red hot. We have this lively music to enhance it, which I think is really fantastic. Like you said, I won't belabor the point, but the chemistry between them is almost unmatched. I don't know if I could think of a romantic couple that has better chemistry i would say even something like casablanca um where the romance is fantastic the chemistry between humphrey and ingrid is arguably less jim carrey kate winslet eternal sunshine of the spotless
0: mind i disagree it's really
1: Really? yeah i mean it's that's really fantastic you really think that their chemistry is less yeah really yeah okay then in
0: that case um this podcast is over the the couples in the couple in uh uh marge and man i can't remember her husband in fargo oh they're up there they're, they're very good so good they're very good they are so good one of the most heartwarming cinematic couples i've ever witnessed but i do agree with you they stone and gosling's chemistry in this movie is like
1: it it really is very good When it comes to the music, I have to admit that some show tunes, it's just not really my thing, which is less of a knock against them, and it's not you, it's me scenario. But a lot of the the Mia and Sebastian theme, you know, what he's playing when she walks into Lipton's, Hmm. City of Stars, the scene when they're in the observatory and they go flying through air that everybody's seen, those stick with me more so than like the show tunes with lyrics. And I think that speaks to the wonderful composition for jazz and the romantic era stuff. And as not a jazz pianist, but someone who's done quite a bit of romantic piano, I just find that the romantic compositions that's in here is like... It's world class. It's amazing that that somebody wrote this in the 21st century, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that this movie is so much better than I thought it would be. On repeat viewings, I like it more and more and more. And I'm so predisposed against the musical. But every time I watch it, there's another thing I just can't deny being perfect. You know, I can't deny that the visuals are perfect. I can't deny that the chemistry is perfect. The writing is superb. The pacing, you know, it's right around two hours long. It never draws things out. Every time... A good or a happy scene ends. You're left with that, and then something you know they're on the rocks or something. Mm. You're left with that feeling like, oh, I wish that could have just lasted just a little longer. bit longer. You know, yeah. Like I, I wasn't, I didn't appreciate that for what it was. Mm. And then when they get back together, you're like, oh, finally. You know, mm-hmm. and that's not a spoiler. I'm just saying throughout the movie, you know,
0: they, things you, come
1: and go. Yeah, you're hot and cold. It's a, it's Whatever. a romantic yeah. movie. What do you expect? Um, and I have to say that. When we do a ranking of like our top ten films of all time, I think this would be in my top ten. So you like it more than Eternal Sunshine? I mean, that was we're really on a roll with these movie reviews lately. Um, but probably, yeah. but I have to see. Here's the thing: I have to watch Eternal Eternal uh, Sunshine or Eternal Mind. Eternal Sunshine, of yeah. the Spotless Mind. I need to watch it at least once or twice more. But I would say the only similar-ish movie i would put up there with this would be casablanca and i would put the two of them close to par what about punch drunk love punch drunk love is i've been saying that's my favorite movie of all time i would put i would put the three of these all similar and i guess maybe i have something for brightly colored movies that use blue and pink (laughs) like
0: casablanca
1: no you know what i mean like Punch (laughs) um but yeah i mean the movie's just I didn't want to watch it because I thought it'd be a chick flick, and then slowly over the course of four or five viewings, it wins me over more and more. And I will say that I think it's hands down the most rewatchable movie I've seen in a long time, just because there's so much meat on the bone.
0: More rewatchable than Apocalypse Now?
1: Hmm. Yes. Really? <laughs> well, just because of really think just so. because Apocalypse Now takes such a run up you're grants we've never done a favorite movie list by the way grant's going through all my favorite movies of all time apocalypse now is up there
0: and and a lot of mine
1: too yeah yeah apocalypse now is is certainly one of the greatest movies ever made but i don't think it's as rewatchable because it's a time commitment it's like an emotional and mental commitment but la la land put it this way it's kind of like mad max where if I want something like light and pulpy and easy to watch, and I can do whatever and watch it, I'll throw on La La Land. If I want like a really serious, heavy cinematic experience, let's watch La La Land. You feeling happy? Put on La La Land. Oh, you're kind of down. You had a rough day. Why not watch La La Land? Yeah, I there's s- no scenario where I wouldn't want to watch that movie.
0: I suppose that that for me is like Mad Max. Yeah, that's or Mad yeah. Max is like that for me rather, and uh, and probably. Old Clint Eastwood Westerns. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I certainly liked it way more than I thought I would. I think it's a very immaculately made film with some some accessibility problems for me, not least of which just being the fact that it is a musical. Absolutely. It just, it does pull me out. I wish it wasn't a musical in a lot of ways, but then then a lot of that swagger and that shine would yeah. be... Lost as well, so I mean it's, it's not the movie for me, but it's a phenomenal movie that I, I respect
1: enormously. I love the intentional, the intentional Hollywood fake sheen, the shellac on everything. Like even the rust is shiny in this movie, mm-hmm. and I think that that's just, it's something that in this I, I think in the modern age, maybe not with a lot of blockbusters, but with a lot of serious film movies, it's very in to have grit and reality and harshness. And I think there's nothing wrong with putting a coat of shine on the whole movie and just making it... Why not have it be polished? Why not have it be be beautiful and and Hollywoodish? You know, it's just... For movies made recently
0: that have that sheen to them and that kind of swagger i have to put this up against hail caesar and i think that hail caesar definitely is well i mean it's way funnier obviously it's more comedic but i think that the writing is definitely snappier in hail caesar but it's the Cullen brothers have and, i watched hail caesar and that's that's what they do almost exclusively i don't know lawrence
1: lawrence presents does that mean anything to you well, I know, we've talked about that before. I think I watched it a long time ago. <laughs> Lawrence Lawrence. Okay. They actually have a character named Lawrence Lawrence. <laughs> Do I start Fast Future? I'll be quicker for this than I was for La, La Land. And uh, one more think. thing. I could talk about Lawland La Land for like hours. There's so much I didn't talk about that I want to talk about. But that's okay. I can't. I can you only know, talk with We've, gone, much, we've yeah. gone
0: really long on La La Land, so. It's so good. Jason's next review will be timed to 2 minutes 30 seconds for Fast Future. Okay.
1: No.
0: Donnie McCaskillan's Fast Future. Oh, wait. We need to do the Gabber Jabber. What are we. What are we doing? And as per usual, I have, do you actually remember what the. No, just. Okay. That'll...
1: I promise this isn't a gimmick, by the way. We just really don't remember We really remember just it.
0: can't find the music. You're listening to the Gabber Jabber. Jabber on. This is the segment that occurs midway through each Good Ship Brothership episode, during which we hand-pluck the ripest fruit from the Canadian Netflix orchard. Don't worry, we pluck it gently. Yeah. For your viewing pleasure. Okay, so, let's, uh... Oh, well... You don't have... Netflix is closed, the internet's down. So... What have I been watching? I watched Altered Carbon on Netflix, and I know it's what not you a think of it? film. I know it's a TV series. I'll say this about Altered Carbon: it is Blade Runner light in huh. almost every wa- aesthetically. It's almost laughably Blade Runner. You are walking through these big metalwork cityscapes where it's pouring rain. And the neon lights are shining through the rain. And there are a bunch of Asian fishmongers with see-through umbrellas above their heads. Like it literally shows you that exact scene. And if you've ever seen Blade Runner, you'll know that's Blade exactly Blade Runner. It's almost copyright infringement to make something huh. look that similar to something else. However, the there's 10 episodes. The storyline is really engaging the central character is very well cast. There's something about how that guy looks, and I can't remember his name right now. There's something about how he looks that is perfectly suited to his role. And uh, the, the writing is good. The writing is very serviceable. The characters are characters who you, you do kind of fall in love with, although a lot of them are archetypes. You have the tough, scrappy, rebellious... Uh, woman cop who uh, is always breaking the rules and getting in trouble. You have the unwi- unwilling and unwitting sidekick. You have the eager and overeducated, kind of nerdy sidekick who, in this, so happens to be an AI, an artificial intelligence, who runs a hotel. And you have the mythological, kind of spiritual guru leader from a past life, kind of coming back in flashbacks to guide your hero through. But despite all the kind of uh, cliche elements of the plot, the plot does work together very well. It's, uh, it's set in a future where re-sleeving is a, uh, is a possibility, and re-sleeving is just transferring the essence of you to a different body. Be that a clone of yourself if you're incredibly wealthy, or just the body of a convict um who's been jailed and their their consciousness has been effectively just shut down put on rest mode and uh, it's a story of this guy who's kind of brought out of storage as they call it after 100 200 years or something like that and he was a terrorist basically he was an infidel not an infidel he was a like a insurgent terrorist against the ruling class and he is brought back to life to help one of these upper class, incredibly, unbelievably wealthy people solve the mystery of his own murder, huh. because he's been, he was, uh, he was killed. This very rich man, and he has no memory of like one day of his life. So they're trying to piece it back together: what happened, why he was killed, etc., etc. And it is, it's very engaging. Lots of nudity, lots of swearing and like very very graphic violence but if you can stomach all that it is I think a very rewarding watch
1: alright
0: now on to Fast Future Donnie McCaslin's Fast Future offers a thrilling version vision sorry of the shape and redefinition of jazz to come featuring Jason Lidner on keyboards and synthesizers Tim <laughs> I have no idea how to say this blessed Lefebvre means. Lefebvre on electric bass And Mark Guiliana On drums It was released March 31st 2015 And the personnel are uh, well, You don't need to read all that That's the exact no. same thing
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah Okay So One of the Well the very first episode Of the Good Ship Brothership We ever did Was our favorite albums of 2016 And on that One of the top It was your album of the year And I think it was second for me Or something like that was black star by david bowie his final release his masterpiece (laughs) and a phenomenal album um now i mention this because the band for black star was essentially the same as this band with maybe a couple a couple tweaks for supplemental stuff Mm. but uh tim lefebvre mark guiliana and donnie mccasklin and uh, jason lindner were all on black star so um, naturally, I mean, we were really interested in this album since we love Black Star so much. The only problem is neither of us have really ever gotten into jazz. I've well, played, I've played around with playing jazz. It's not like we've never listened to jazz. I, I, I'm pretty into Thelonious Monk. Yeah, we like, say. we like the Thelonious Monk. I like. I don't even know how to say his name because I just listened to his music. Alain Caron, the French Canadian guy who does like, uh, I forget what he's called it, like acid jazz. Oscar Peterson Oscar Peterson we have a we know a little bit but it's not our thing it's not our forte so going into this album I was not sure if it would be accessible like would it be too hardcore for me um, you know Thelonious Monk is a master but it's very accessible jazz it's jazz that it's jazz that if you're like us we have uh, classical piano upbringings You, it's a bridge to get to jazz it's It's not dissimilar to what I've played for many years. It's just more fast and loose. Thelonious
0: monks. the barrier to listening to music like monk is that a lot of it's rather discordant to an ear that wasn't like ours raised in classical music where discord is kind of par for the course. And I think just the overall kind of antiquated nature of the sound of jazz coming from the fifties and sixties is definitely a barrier. Mm-hmm. to act to for 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 access.
1: But this album reminded me of and it's a great jumping off point, a quote of Ryan Gosling's from La La Land in one of my favorite scenes of the movie when um when Sebastian and Mia are at this kind of sweaty bar and he's showing her jazz for the first time and explaining it to her and he says it's conflict, it's compromise and it's very very exciting. <laughs> I think that's such a good way and he sells it. But that's such a great way to put it because you listen to this album and it is just like Sebastian's explanation. You know, you're listening to them jamming on the central theme and then one of the musicians just kind of takes off on their own direction and leads the charge for a little while and then falls back and someone else takes their place. And that sort of thing can be quite tiring. It can kind of uh, draw you out of the music and you're just kind of like, what the heck is going on? Or. If you kind of just chill out, let him take the wheel, it can draw you in and you can have a lot of fun. And overall, I did enjoy this album and I think it's really nicely executed. It's not smooth jazz or easy listening, the kind of jazz that people who have never listened to jazz think about, right? Like like, like again, Oscar Peterson. Yeah, like Oscar, Oscar Peterson, this kind of chill, like, oh yeah, I could get very used. flourishy, yeah. flowing, beautiful,
0: or like um another access point for a lot of people would be the charlie brown music right especially charlie brown christmas that gorgeous 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 jazz Vince Giraldi
1: oh my goodness yeah
0: some of the best jazz that's ever been made this is not
1: this is not that no this (laughs) is very harsh it's exceptionally discordant it makes Thelonious Monk sound like a praise and worship song and at times I felt that it took things too far And maybe I'm just not ready for it yet But I don't know Some of these tracks are 8, 9, 10 minutes long And I understand As I said that the idea of jazz Is to riff on a central theme And take it different places But I still feel that that would have been improved If we had maybe a couple more themes And a bit less riffing The idea The crux of classical music Which is what I'm familiar with And it's something else but it's what I love about it Is that You're presented with an idea in classical music, a musical idea, and then there is tension. And then that tension is resolved, and you have this sort of clarity. It's a beautiful feeling. But with this album, sometimes I felt that it presented more tension than resolution. And over the short term, that can be good because it leaves you waiting, listening, anticipating. But I just didn't feel like it always worked out in my favor. You know, sometimes I felt like I was left in the lurch Like, come on guys, you know You just had to bring that major again um, That said, the balance struck between the tracks In terms of all having the same sound um, And yet having tonal variation This is something that I talk about a lot with albums Is you want a, a cohesion throughout the whole album But you want tracks to have their own identity You want cohesion without it becoming
0: homogenized
1: Yes And that's, I think, a lot harder to do when an album's instrumental because you don't have different vocal styles and usually we listen to the vocals above all else just Mm -hmm. instinctively. You don't have different vocal styles. You don't have different subject matter to sing about. Um, And so I think it's really commendable that they did achieve that separation and I can think of specific tracks that I enjoy or maybe not so much or different tracks I would want to listen to at different times. So I guess in closing... Yesterday morning I got up pretty early It was my day off I got up pretty early And I went into Stratford Into this town To to take photos Home of Justin Bieber Home of Justin Bieber (laughs) I walked around I have this new little camera And I just want to take Some street photos Take some portraits Of some strangers Whatever Live my best life And I put some earbuds in I like to listen to music While I do this Because I feel like It makes me less shy And so I just Popped my earbuds in And listened to this album and it was perfect. Like I listened to it uh, one and a half, maybe two times while I walked around and took pictures and it just kept me in the zone, blah, blah, blah. I loved it. I'm like, this is a great album. And then later on, I'm driving home and I'm listening to it and I'm not quite so focused as I am when I'm taking pictures and it kind of started to grate on me a little bit when I had nothing else to do. And so I guess I'm left with a conclusion that for me at least, this is an excellent album when you're doing something else. And that's not to say that it's background music. That's to say that it's excellent fuel for a mind-consuming activity, but I'm just not sure that it's something I'll go back to. Does it's funny.
0: Makes... It's funny that you would say that you know you found it very useful to play while you were going around taking pictures. Absolutely. This, this was when I was writing my first novel, Folk Heroes Available Nowhere. Uh, maybe forever. Who knows. Um, when I was writing that novel, I f- was looking for music that I could listen to while I wrote, and this album was the only one that I could find that I could listen to and I could s- write and feel very productive and not be distracted by it. Instrumental helps a lot. In in no bad way. Like mm. you said. It, and I have one, one of my notes here great music to have on in the background, and I don't mean that in a negative no. way. Um, yeah, there's there is a certain. That is a strength in in some areas yeah yeah okay uh, that's your interview concluded then
1: it's not an interview, interview but yeah well whatever. it was uh,
0: <laughs> I'm just really struggling today and I don't know why I feel sensitive and small anyway I, I'm saying anyway too much and I apologize so yeah my my listening history with jazz as you already as we kind of previously stated, was is mainly Thelonious Monk. I have a couple of his albums that I enjoy spinning from time to time, and I really, really like Thelonious Monk. One of his albums, Underground, just lived in my car for like several months, and I would listen to it everywhere I went. There's something about jazz that's energizing and relaxing at the same time absolutely a good jazz energizing and relaxing at the same time it's inspiring it's playful it's serious it's so so many different things and this is really an interesting new flavor and a direction for jazz you have a lot of synth keyboards you have some like distorted electric bass or electric bass through a tremolo pedal which basically fluctuates the pitch, the not the pitch, pitch? no, the That's volume. It fluctuates the volume of the bass to give it a kind of wah, 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 a chopping kind of sound, and that you know, it, it's there's just really interesting directions here. Is as, as we we're talking about Lala La Land and the character of Sebastian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, played by Ryan Gosling, is very obsessed with traditional jazz and doesn't want to see it change. He doesn't think it needs to change. He doesn't think it needs to evolve. This album does such a good job of evolving jazz in what is kind of a respectful way, but at the same time, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditional jazz purists would really turn their noses up at this stuff. It's mindful, maybe yeah. more
1: than respectful.
0: Uh, you, it features, This album features some just exuberant, wild, frenetic drumming, courtesy of Mark Guiliana, who I think is one of the best drummers on the planet right now. Yeah. Him, and, him and Darren King of Mute Math, and now various other projects, now that he's left the band, are are just a cut above pretty much any other drummer who seems to be operating today, just in terms of their flair and their style, their technical prowess and the way that they employ that technical prowess in in the context of a song, without seeming showy or or showy i guess uh, the saxophone is just wild and off the handle like you'd kind of want it to be and uh the 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 bass playing is very very skillful it's pleasantly noticeable in this music as it is in a lot of jazz and in a lot of other forms of music the bass really sinks down and just provides you with kind of a foundation but definitely not so in this the bass is is it is a leg for the table to stand on as is the synth and the keyboards that kind of swirl and whirl and turn underneath it, providing this kind of great atmosphere. And, uh, the most important thing though, you take all these elements, do these musicians, do these human beings play well together? Is there a chemistry there that you can sense when you play these recordings through your speakers in your car or in your ears or in your home, whatever. And I think that that is definitely the case here. These musicians perform excellently together. Partially, they're just very skilled. I think they play well with pretty much anybody, but there is that undeniable chemistry. That being said, the saxophone definitely drives most of this album. Uh, it's got pretty much most if not all, of the solos, and it generally steals the show. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the question of, do you like sax? Yeah. Or do you not like the saxophone? I would have liked to have heard more kind of drum and bass jams on this, because the drummer and the bassist are such powerful, muscular, skilled players, and a good bass and drum solo... Is kind of is kind of one of the pillars of jazz. When you listen to some mm-hmm. great jazz, just some intensely, See a lot of that in land. intensely good bass drum grooves. And you don't really get that here. You get a lot of, like I said, a lot of wild, uh, screeching saxophone solos, which I'm very partial to. And you get some kind of weird keyboard-type solo mm-hmm. interludes, which I'm not so much of a fan of. They get kind of ambient and kind of directionless in places. Uh, s- some tracks also just go on for too long. Uh, I I do love a good long song. I think that it's kind of a lost art in this era of, you know, three-minute, 20-second pop songs which is brought on, in case you don't know, by the literal physical limitation of a of a singles record. When the when the records were being pressed back in probably the fifties, maybe even maybe even as far back as the forties, I don't know. But when they would do the the uh, what, what would they be, six inch or when they the forty fives. Yeah, the
1: forty fives, whatever.
0: The little their little, little Records with just one song on one side and one song on the other and that's where you get the term A-side and B-side from. You put your best song on the A-side and your second best or whatever on the B-side and those constrictions have had really lasting impacts on popular music for almost a hundred years now and it is nice to see people breaking out of that box but at some points you just got to ask yourself you know have we lost the plot here mm-hmm. and at no point does it get really boring It's just that at some points you just want them to get back to the main motif or the main riff because it's, it is just that good. There are great dynamic performances from song to song and within songs. And like we were saying, this album doesn't sound too Mm homogenous. You aren't going to get bored. It doesn't sound like you're listening to the same song over and over and over again. Uh, And, and, and this music, unlike some jazz and just some music in general, really doesn't feel pretentious. Mm-hmm. There is an assumption around jazz that it's for pretentious artsy people who like tweed jackets and and uh, wear big horn rim glasses. But this this really is music that you can jam out to. Yeah, like I, I, anybody. I honestly really want you, the listener. If you're listening to this, you have no experience with jazz. Just find the album Fast Future and just throw on just listen to the first two or three tracks the
1: second track is my favorite uh there are yeah yeah the second track is very oh. good a couple times grant and i were just hanging out playing piano listening or playing pool rather which is different listening to this album and i just turned to grant and be like this is a hot jam man yeah it's they, just, they, they you truly know, they are getting the groove and it's
0: just like oh and it doesn't sound old-fashioned at all no in case i didn't make that clear enough the production is incredibly good the mixing is beautiful the the bass is really driving. It really is good. Just pump up music. And, uh... And, yeah. Like we touched on already, it is great music to have on in the background. No, that's not a criticism. It, it's, uh... I'm t- it's, it's focusing. It's, it's energizing. It's, it's music f- that, that gets into you. Yeah. And, and like you're some sort of weird automata, mm-hmm. it works you and boosts you, like, caffeine and... Jamiroquai. And Jamiroquai. And, yeah. And, uh that was a niche reference to the jamiroquai album automaton is that the album yeah yeah so all that to say definitely watch la la land like definitely do i i don't mean to say i definitely did not like it as much as you but i think that my
1: my simmering resentment toward musicals still holds me back i just cannot believe how much i liked it like like and I'm not saying that as a as a a, just a thing that people say like uh, a few nights ago I think I was laying in bed it's downloaded on my phone and I was kind of just scrubbing through looking at some scenes preparing for the episode and previously I had had been doing something else on my phone and then I was like I want to watch La La Land and for a little while I'm like yeah but really like like almost like I shouldn't want to watch it because I've seen it twice in like the last week and then I'm like no I still want to see it
0: I was gonna say something and it just kind of fled me. Hmm, that's frustrating. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's what it was. I was talking to my one coworker at work today. Weird how you talk to your coworkers at work. And uh, I said to him, "Yeah, my brother and I are recording our podcast tonight. It's I'm looking forward to it. It's, gonna, it's a, been a couple challenging topics, but I just really am dreading talking about La La Land because I'm gonna have to admit
1: that I liked it. <laughs> yeah." But it's good. I mean, I'm I'm trying to get over that whole macho pretense. Yeah, I know. Things. I'm working on it. Toxic masculinity, dude. It's ruining every aspect of our culture. It's like, I saw... One time I saw this dude. He had a plaid shirt on and he had a beard. And I was like, dude, do you realize you're the reason that the rainforests are dying? Yeah. Anyway. This has been the Good Ship Brothership. Your foremost... uh,
0: your hub, on your, your hub for toxic masculinity and uh Golden we've we've been talking about la la land we've been talking about fast future by donnie mccaslin and i sincerely hope that you give both of these things a chance and uh and do let us know what you think you can you can message us on instagram uh what's our handle is it brothership.pod at brothership.pod, try that, or just look up the Good Ship Brothership. You're gonna and find look us. For us. Uh or or you can shoot it to us on Facebook. I believe we're facebook.com slash the Goodship Brothership. Or you can email us at brothership at gmail.com because nobody has yet. So mm, did somebody? Well we we said, you know, whoever emails us first yeah, gets a no second. Nobody's emailed us a legit question. No nobody has emailed us except for Jonathan who emailed us. F- with frightening speed just in order yeah. to have a segment named after him and i do appreciate that enthusiasm despite the fact that it's tinged with self-promotion and greed <laughs> okay bye bye everybody i like making podcasts yes Th- like this I'm, need- I'm not i'm not full of garbage right this is a good podcast